Well, we're going to be looking at uh, Philippians chapter 4 this morning. Philippians chapter 4. We've looked the last couple weeks, um, we've talked about walking in love, and uh, I love talking about love. (laughs) And uh, I'm going to... I think I'm going to give a short message this morning on Thanksgiving, but before I do that, I wanted to um, finish up for now on love. Like, how many, how many of you ever heard Brother Hagen minister? So we had the privilege of traveling with him for the last two years, uh, a little longer than that, actually, but anyhow, the, at least the last two years while he was here on the earth, and uh, he used to say, my sermons are like a freight train. I just, you know preach the message, and then unhook at the end of the service and come back and hook up again. <laughs> and he would do that. And, uh, but he was, you know, the Lord said, go teach my people faith. So um, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So um, I like uh, Pastor Mark says, Brother Hagin set me free from the fear of repetition. <laughs> <laughs> because he would, you know, say, open your Bibles to Mark eleven twenty. 23 and 24 again and again and again and uh, uh, man the word of God is awesome you cannot exhaust the revelation that you can get from one word from God Hebrews chapter uh, 2 I've mentioned it probably several times that we have to give more attention more earnest heed to the things we've heard less any time we let them slip what's interesting is a lot of times we hear something the first time and we don't even necessarily get it in our heart. We just get it in our head. We think we got it in our heart. We get it in our head and we say, oh, I've heard that before. I don't need to hear that love message again. I don't need to hear that faith message again. I don't need to hear prosperity again. You know, I heard a minister say one time, yeah, I already, I already heard that message one time. I'm done hearing it. And it was like on some fundamental faith message. And you're kind of like, oh, don't say that. <laughs> uh, because uh, none of us have got it all down uh, perfect or how it should be. Sorry. Uh, so to finish up on, uh, you know, that you never finish up on, but just to touch on the last part of love there, um, I wanted to mention this, that when you think of love, what's the first thing, uh, you know, that you think of when you hear, you know, okay, we're going to talk about love or what love is? There's many things that you can think of, and, uh, you know, probably if I'm totally transparent, when you think, if somebody just says love, you almost think of like a romantic love. Like, there it is, like, love, uh, Valentine's Day, people talk about love, you see signs of love, and that's all romantic. That's really like the lowest type of love. It's, um, you know, from the word, Greek word eros, which has a lot to do with sexual love or passion or romance, those type of things. And then there's uh, uh, storge. These are all uh, Greek words for love. And that's like family affection. So like me to my children, you to your children, your, your brothers, your sisters. Uh, and then there's a phileia or phileo, which is kind of brotherly love or almost like maybe like a best friend or a close friend. You know, you've got that close fellowship. And that's actually, uh, you know, the other, that's actually in the New Testament maybe a couple times. But... Being a faith person, I love, like, in him, in Christ, in whom. And those are, you know, 132 to 134 times you'll find those phrases in the New Testament, which is quite a few times for a phrase. But the word agape, you'll actually find in the New Testament, uh, I think it's 100 and, 
uh, I think I wrote it, yeah, 120 times in the New Testament. And then there's a Greek word, aga, I don't know how to say it, but I think it's agapan, and that's actually uh, the verb form of agape, and that's in the New Testament 130 times. So if you add those two together, that's 250 times you find the word agape or a form of the word agape in the New Testament. And um, <clears throat> this is a definition I got from William Barclay. Agape is not merely an emotional experience which comes to us unbidden and unsought. It is a deliberate principle of the mind and a deliberate conquest and achievement of the will. So I think one of the best scriptures that we could look at to define agape or the God kind of love or the kind of love that God has towards us and that he has put in us for other people is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 48. I'm just going to read this in the New Living for you real quick. You have heard uh, <clears throat> the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight on both the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward you, is there in that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your heavenly Father is perfect. So we see that this love is a deliberate uh, action of the mind, right? You have to make a decision. I'm going to love no matter what. So we can't be thinking of, you know, uh, the person that we enjoy being around, that we like to be with when we think of this love, we have to think about this is a decision and this is something that I do. Um, you know, one of the quotes I've, I've read every week was from Henry, <clears throat> excuse me, Henry Drummond, and I'll read it slow. If we try to influence or elevate others, we shall soon see that our endeavor is successful in proportion to their belief of our belief in them. In other words, how much do they believe in me? I'm going to uh, be successful based on the same measure. So if, if they believe, well, he can do anything, he's going to like yield to the Holy Ghost, he's going to listen to God, he's going to follow God, and they communicate that to me, I'm going to be successful in that measure where it concerns them. To respect a man is the first restoration of self-respect he's lost. Our ideal of what he become, of what he is, so what our ideal of what he is, so my ideal of what you are, like, what do I think that about you? What do I think you are? Becomes to him the hope and the pattern of what he may become. So you see, like if you're going to, and uh, I think it was seventh grade or eighth grade, we had home economics class, and we had to like cook stuff, and then we also had to like sew. We got to sew. I actually enjoyed the class because I love making desserts, so of course I made a dessert. And then sewing, it was just like intriguing to me. <clears throat> so... We had to sew, so I made some biker shorts, and um, I sewed some biker shorts. Well, to make that, I'm getting laughs here, uh, to make that, I had to have a pattern. So there's this pattern, and then actually they didn't have a sample, but they just had a pattern. Well, that pattern I looked at, and that was my hope of what that cloth was going to become, <laughs> right? Because I had never made biker shorts, and I guess biker shorts are a dangerous thing to start out on. And uh, so... But that pattern is what I really hoped this would become. So when we respect someone, when we honor them, when we believe in them, love thinks no evil. That's where that, that whole series came from. Love thinks no evil. 
when we believe in someone, that becomes the pattern that they can fulfill. So think about it. God has a plan for your life, every one of you, and for my life. He has a specific plan and call and purpose for you and for me. And as we spend more time with him, you begin to hear more about it, and you begin to see it more. And if we can remain conscious of the fact that God lives in us and he believes in us, we'll start to rise to that level. Actually, the Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in knowledge in favor with God and men. So Jesus didn't come like to earth like full of knowledge. He laid aside his mighty power and glory and all of that and became as one of us. And then he had to grow in wisdom and knowledge. So he had to learn. So Jesus did the same thing that we're supposed to do. Remember, he's our model, he's our example. He took the word of God that he had at that time. He didn't even have the the New Testament. But he took the Pentateuch and he started to see things in there. And then the, the prophets and started to see. And he started to see himself in there until he got to the point where he got up to preach and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because it anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. You know, that's not just in Luke where it's in red because he said it, that comes from Isaiah. So Jesus saw it in Isaiah and said, whoa, this is me. This is who I am. This is what I have. And so then he began to speak it, and he began to act it. So uh, he's, he's our example. And then he gave us the love that we're to love others with. And... Um, you know, if I treat you like you're going to fail, like you can't do it, it's, man, one of the hardest things to overcome when somebody's treating you that way. Uh, I like to think of a business. Uh, when you're running a business or you're working for a business, you have a manager, you have a director maybe, depending on the size, and you have a president or a vice president. And if you find out that one of those people in your chain of authority thinks that you're just a mess up and you can't do it and you're not going to make it, Man, it's one of the hardest things to plow through. Like, no, I can do this. You know, and you're like, oh, they don't feel like I can do this. And I don't feel like I can do this. Maybe I can't do this. Right? So it's amazing how that belief in you or non belief in you can affect you. Because when you get around people that believe in you, and I would say the best thing to do is to believe in God in you you can really flourish and rise and come to life. And you realize um, with man, there's so many things that are impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. God is the God of possibility. And when we take um, what we have, who we are, and we bring it freely to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, man, without you, I'm nothing. I can't do anything. Even what I have, I've only got because I received it from you then he can really do something with us. And we say, I don't think I can do this, but in Christ I can do all things because he gives me strength. So we're actually seeing ourselves the way he wants to see us, the way he wants us to see ourselves, and the way he does see us. Uh, When he looks at you, when he looks at me, he looks through Christ. Maybe when he sees us, everything's red because he looks through the blood. Right? Maybe it's like putting those red glasses on. And all of a sudden, everything's red because he sees us in the blood. He sees us in what Christ has done. And when we um, put our full trust, 
and our full reliance and our full faith. We muster up everything that's within us, everything that we know and things that we don't know. And we say, okay, Lord, here, I'm bringing this to you and I'm trusting you. Then he can work. So um, let's look at Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four. We want to believe in people. We want to believe, first of all, in God, and then we want to believe in people. And when you're so familiar with someone because you live with them, I was going to say, because you're married to them, but my wife would think I'm picking on her. I'm not. She's amazing. (laughs) But because you're family, sometimes we let the familiarity cloud the call of God, the anointing of God, the ability of God, the grace of God. Because the anointing of God, the ability of God, the grace of God can go beyond everything we've ever known someone to do. Beyond the box that we have put this person in. That, well, you've been like this, and this is how you've always been, and you're always going to be like that. And we might not say those words, but that's the tone and the attitude of our voice. We realize that we're connecting with the natural, not connecting with the supernatural. And God has given us this ability beyond other creatures that were created to connect with him and with his power and with his anointing through our words, not only for ourselves, but for other people. And you find out that even in ministering in a church, You'd find this real quick if you're a traveling minister, and I, you know, I haven't done necessarily a ton of traveling ministry, but as I've said before, we went to the Philippines, we went to three different churches. It's one of my best ministry experiences ever because they were all three totally different churches, and our ability to minister was limited by the ability, excuse me, by the faith of the people in each of those churches. And so what they believed for, they got. It was amazing, and you're, you're, you're kind of like, whoa. This is amazing, and how can that be? And, you know, if Jesus was here, he could do anything. But actually, Jesus was limited by faith because in his own hometown, he couldn't do many mighty works. He just laid his hands on a couple of, you know, minor illnesses and got them healed. The rest he couldn't. So what was his reaction? He started teaching (laughs) because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so with you or with me, when we bring an atmosphere with us, I remember reading after Smith Wigglesworth, and he got on a train one time, and this person, just because of his presence and the, really the presence of God in him and around him, said, you convict me. And he didn't say a word to him, just the presence of God. And so we can stir up the presence of God and the anointing of God and let uh, Christ live in and through us. And... Um, you know, but we have to give everything over to him and let him have his way. And, you know, uh, again, I like uh, Brother Osborne. He, he would say, you know, let Jesus have some credit sometimes. He says, sometimes we'll get people healed, and then we go and print our business cards. Great faith healer has come to town. Here I am. And he said, I wonder if that's why we don't see more miracles in the United States sometimes, because we're trying to get all the credit instead of giving it to Jesus. <laughs> because... Um, without him, we really are nothing, but with him, nothing is impossible. Whatever situation you have in your life, whatever uh, uh, is occupying time in your mind and reason and you're trying to figure out, uh, God had made the answer before the problem ever existed. God had made the answer before you were born. God had made a way um, before you saw the blockade. So Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Well, you know, I'm going to start with verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, dearly beloved, long for my joy and my crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dear, dearly beloved. I beseech Eodas 
and I beseech uh, Sikti that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat you also, true yoke fellow, help these women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and with the other, uh, my other fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord's at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, whatever, brothers, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. What are you thinking about? Not right now. Maybe right now. But what are you thinking about? What's occupying your thought life? Proverbs chapter 4 says, My son, attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Uh, Let them not depart from before your eyes. For there are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. So um, what are you paying attention to? What are you putting before your eyes? What are you giving first place in your life? Is it the word of God or the words of God? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, honest, just, pure, loving, a good report, virtue, think on these things. Sometimes things may be true, but they're not virtuous, so they're not of good report, right? So I'm like thinking on this, and that would be me, like where I would have to like pay extra attention because I'm like, well, that's true. This is what they did. This is what they're doing. This is what's going to happen. But God's love and God's grace takes us beyond what the natural world sets up or what we set up with our own uh, mistakes. Really, you're going to experience in life what you believe for and what you say. Uh, There is a caveat to that. Have faith in God. And you can say, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, um, you know, uh, the word of God always works. And um, the word of God can set us free from traps that we have laid for ourselves. Right? From uh, bars and prison doors and chains that we've set up with our own words. Thank God, because all of us were sinners without Christ, lost and not saints. We became born again. We were set free um, by the power of God so that we're not bound uh, by our sins or by our past. So be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You know, Psalms 100 says you come into the presence of God um, with thanksgiving. And this week, of course, is Thanksgiving. And, um, uh, you know, it was called for many years ago. I don't think it's practiced as well now, but a national day of giving of thanks, that we give thanks to God for all of the blessings, all of the benefits. Um, But many times we attach ourselves too much to ourselves and our ability to make something come to pass or our ability to, our disability, what do you call that? Our disability? Our inability to make things come to pass right? So we're looking first at what we can do about a situation, not first what God can do about a situation. And um, those thoughts would come. You would see those things and say like, oh, I don't know 
how this is going to turn out if it was just up to me. But it's not just up to me because I've got God on my side. And so we take those things that would try to be cares and try to weigh us down and try to stop us and really try to stop the blessing of God and the work of God and the peace of God. Because if we let the cares of this life, things that are going on, um, uh, dominate us, then we really stop the access of God. I cannot tell you how many times I have prayed. You know, I was associate pastor for nine years <clears throat> at a church in Michigan and in ministry for probably four or five years before that. And um, I can't tell you when people come from prayer how many times the answer to their prayer is in this scripture right here. Amplified says, casting all of your care, the whole of your anxiety, all of your fretting on him because he cares for you. And, um, I mean, I would be up front at the other church praying with people, and I'm just waiting for them to finish so I can say, okay, because they want me to do it for them, right? We always want somebody else to do it for us. We get ourselves in such a pickle because we just worried and worried and worried and it became so big that we don't even know what to do with it. And I'll say, you know what? I'm going to pray for you, but I really can't pray for you until after you take these worries and give it to God. Because if I pray for you, it's not going to do any good if you're holding on to this. Because it's so clear in the scripture, especially this scripture right here, that God wants to come in um, with his peace like a garrison of soldiers into a turbulent country, one translation says, and quiet us. But he can't do it until we give him those cares. And um, you know when you give him the cares because a weight is lifted and it's, it's offloaded. Brother Hagin used to say it's like having a 50-pound sack of potatoes. And if you take and roll it over, if I roll it over on Melody, I would certainly feel that, wouldn't I? I would certainly know that that was gone, that I didn't have it anymore, and that she had it. Well, the Bible says don't cast them on Melody. Give them to Jesus. Because he has actually conquered all of them, and he can do much better with them than what we can. But what we do so many times is we take and we say, okay, Lord, I'm really concerned about you know, maybe my children or my finances. Uh, I don't know what to do, so I'm just not going to focus on it. I'm going to give it to you, so I give it to you now in the name of Jesus. You take care of it. Amen. But the Bible says, with thanksgiving. So to give thanks is really something that comes from your heart. Now, you can say thank you and not mean it from your heart, or you can say thank you and mean it from your heart. And somebody might say, how do you know when you're saying it from your heart? Well, uh, the way I would know is I would say to my wife, I love you. And I would know if I'm saying it from my heart or from my head. Same thing with my children, with a loved one. So I can say the same thing when I say thank you. I can say, you know what? Thank you. I really, I really am thankful for that. And thankfulness is something that you don't have to be rich to give. And you can give it when you're poor. You can give it when you're middle income. You can give it if you're... Uh, healthy or if you're not healthy. Thanks is something that all of us can give. My grandmother used to say, uh, when we'd go to pray for lunch or dinner, she would say, who would like to return thanks? I really like that because you're taking it and you're returning it. You're giving back. And it's one thing that we can give to God is thanksgiving. And um, somebody said that the highest type of prayer is the prayer of praise, worship, and thanksgiving. So realize when, when you pray, it's not all about requesting from God, 
but we come to worship God. And one way that we can worship him and come into his presence, actually, it gets us into the courts, is to give thanks. And so as we finish here, um, I'm going to do like the first close. And as I'm doing the first close, I want you to be thinking, multitasking, of three significant things that you can thank God for. Uh, When I say significant, three things that mean something to you. At least three things. It would be better if you came up with five, but three things. Um, And then when I pray, I want you to to also pray and thank God for those. And uh, really, we'll take a little bit of time giving thanks to the Lord because here's what you find out. Sometimes you might find like, I just don't feel like I'm connecting with God in prayer. I don't feel like I'm getting in the presence of God. If you've ever taken time to just start giving thanks and you think about it, you might think like right now, you know, I just said it. So you think of like, oh, well, here's one thing, and oh, here's another thing, and here's another thing. And then as you sit there and you actually start to realize thing after thing after thing after thing will come up, and as you start to express those to the Lord, I mean, I've had some of the best times in the presence of God by coming, just thanking him and start to get revelation and start to get understanding just by thanking God. So I think many times we were limited by our lack of thanksgiving. And thanksgiving kind of goes along with everything else I've been saying in this message is that we kind of say, you know, Lord, I'm setting myself aside. It's not all about me and what I can do, but it's really about you and what you have done. And so when we say thank you, we're humbling ourselves. Right? So if you open the door for me and I just kind of purposely ignore you, you know, because sometimes people don't do it on purpose. They just don't know that you, they don't realize, you know, didn't register. But if I expect you to do that and you like open the door for me and I'm unthankful, that's like looking to myself like, oh yeah, I deserve that. You know, I'm the man or, you know, if you're like my wife, you know, I'm opening the door for her. When she's thankful, uh, what happens when you're thankful? Like, it makes me want to open more doors. <laughs> like, okay, I'm open this door, and this door, and this door, and this door. And um, so when we're thankful to God, it puts us in the proper perspective. We start to see, you know what? Even the reason that I can draw my next breath is because God breathed into man the breath of life. And the reason that the, the world is still here is because God's uh, caused the world to remain. And that he has not um, lied and not one word from him has passed away. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for so many things. And uh, sometimes, basically, you have to come up with a few things and start out. And then the rest just keep coming and coming and coming. I know a, a worship leader one time said that uh, they went to a conference. And for one of their sessions, all they did was thank God. And they said it was one of the best times of worship ever. But they start out saying, oh my goodness, how are we going to do that for that long? But you realize that there are so many things to be thankful for. And we take so many things for granted, like, oh, this is just the way it is. Um, How many have heard of Keith Moore? Anybody heard of Keith Moore? 
okay, Keith Moore uh, is a great minister, great pastor, pastors in Branson and Sarasota, Florida, Branson, Missouri and Sarasota, Florida. And um, he traveled with uh, Dad Hagen for, I don't know, 18 years, 20 years, something like that. And uh, he was on the first few trips that um, I went on. I don't know if you were there for those or not. But anyhow, uh, with, with Dad Hagen, well, he one time was uh, meditating on the grace of God. And so he said, Lord, you know, I'd really like to understand your grace more. So, you know, could you take your grace on my life away so I could see what it's like? And the Lord actually did it. And Brother Moore was amazing, amazingly used in um, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, musical he couldn't play the piano anymore. He couldn't sing. He couldn't do all this stuff because the grace of God was lifted for a period of time off of him. But those had been things that he had come to take for granted, like this is just how I've been made. Well, sure, but it's the grace of God that made you that way. It's the grace of God that made me that way. And many times we take these things for granted, like this is just, I just have a good voice. Right? If you're a singer, I'm just, I've just got a good voice. That's just the way it is. That's a grace from God. Or, you know, I'm just good at this skill or that skill. That's a grace from God. And we, we so many times hold lightly those things, but the Lord, it's a gift from God. You know, a grace is a, is a gift so that none of us can say, like, look at me. But then a lot of people have this grace, and even, even people, you know, that maybe aren't living for God, you know, reigns on the just and the unjust, like we read. And so you'll have graces that came with the package of you being brought into this world. And uh, it's amazing that you can have a gift from God and not use it for God. God is so patient with us. But he has graced us and he has given us so much that we just want to realize what it is. And I think when we start to give thanks you start to become more aware of all of the great gifts that you have and that I have. And instead of focusing on um, what we don't have, what we want to have. So stand with me if you would. Look, I did that with one close. That's pretty good. Uh, you know, in the book of Acts, we learn in the early church that they all lifted their voice together in one accord. And uh, a lot of times we get in church and feel like, oh, just one person's going to pray and we're going to listen. But this morning, uh, and really more times than this morning, it should be practiced. But I would like you to lift your voice to the Lord and I'll pray so that and I'll try and pray loud enough so nobody can hear what you're saying. And um, but the first thing that we want to do is Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, which is, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Supplication actually is, uh, one way you could define it is passionate, uh, fully engaged asking and seeking of the Lord. So in everything, by prayer and supplication, in other words, heartfelt prayer, you're going to like make your request known unto God. So if you're carrying anything, um, that's the first thing I want us to do this morning is to take that care, and no matter how big or small you may think it is, and turn it over to the Lord. And then I want you to give thanks. 
not only that he took that care, but for the three to five to 10 to 20 other things that you may have.